Hello, and welcome to the Casual Author Podcast. I'm Dan, host and independent author of sci-fi and fantasy books, father of five, full-time worker, homesteader, and a man of many other responsibilities. I'm here to talk to you about what it's like to be an author, how we can prioritize and be productive, and how we can be encouraged to know that despite our busyness, we can still make the best of our authoring. To learn more about me, my books, or access the podcast show notes, head to dankenner.com slash podcast. Let's get started. Hello, it's Dan with The Casual Author here again with another great episode. It is Wednesday, August 10th, 2022 as I record this. It is getting out a little bit later than I expected, but it is episode 40 of the podcast. Today I have the opportunity of chatting with Robert Zingari about Kickstarter and how it can bolster an author's community, readership, and their just author business. It's really great I've thought about Kickstarter for some time. I've never actually launched a campaign. I've backed a bunch of campaigns. Um, So yeah, I think you'll find that really insightful, especially if you're looking to find ways to fund your next project. As, As indie authors, we all know, it can be quite expensive. And you know, for a lot of us starting out, we don't necessarily have those funds um, for various reasons. You know, we, maybe we haven't saved up enough or uh, it, it's just hard to justify perhaps spending so much money. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm about to publish my fifth book and no, I have not made back even probably a sixth of what I've paid into my books, but that's okay. You know, we're, we're here learning. Um, I do anticipate that someday I will be able to recapture some of that cost. But for now, I'm just trying to build a backlist. So Kickstarter is a way to, you know, get the funds that you need for producing any type of formats of your book. So really great conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. Now, as far as updates go with my writing business, um, kind of still within that finishing energy realm of Ascended, um, getting closer to completing it, I did pass manuscript off to the proofreader last week she indicated that she would have you know a few week turnaround time uh, as long as there's no hiccups i don't think there will be so it's kind of a copy edit slash proofread however i am sending out the arc copies of ascended today which is exciting um i do plan to publish in the middle of September, I'm looking at September 16th or 17th, which is exciting uh, because I feel like this book has been a long time coming for so long. And there's so many people that have finished Transformed and are like, what, what happened? I need to know what's going to happen. So it, it's good to be able to say that I have a, a somewhat soft slash harder published date for that. I don't generally set published dates until everything is complete. I know that there's authors out there that are like, I'm very rigorous. I'm going to set a pre-order date for all of these stories a year in advance and just hold myself to it. You know what? That's great (laughs) if you're able to do that. But we're casual here by nature of life. I can't can't plan on, um, you know, someone getting sick or something else going on. Who knows? Um, (laughs) so I just, I got to wait until everything's ready and everything is almost ready. So that's great. But I'm glad to be able to give the arc reader some time. I think one of the main mistakes I made with, uh, Sunfire before I published was I didn't give the arc readers enough time. And I get that it takes some time to read books. No big deal. So they get a whole month. 
hope that's enough, but you know, we'll, we'll see. Still, it'll, it just feels so satisfying to complete a trilogy. It will be great to be able to hold the whole series in my hands. And then I can start working on box sets, which I'm not even going to try and delve into right now. I still have a lot of research to do on that, but it, it'll be great to have that out there. And then it's kind of a what to do next. I would love to record my own audiobooks. I'm, I'm trying to gain the confidence to record my own audiobooks. I don't love the sound of my voice. <laughs> and I think there's probably a lot of people that feel the same way about their own voices. I mean, I'm no Michael Kramer. Uh, but just because I don't enjoy the sound of my voice doesn't mean other people might not. So I don't know. I, I also just feel a little bit overwhelmed by the number of characters that I've put in my books. I don't. I didn't anticipate how challenging it would be to do an audiobook with all the different characters and voices. I'm not sure I can come up with that many different voices, but who knows? I, I, I maybe just take some practice. But I dabbled in it a little bit yesterday. I didn't keep the recording. I just recorded it and listened back, and it wasn't altogether too terrible. Um, it will take a lot of time, but that's one way that uh, I might be able to save on the costs of audiobooks if I just record it myself. So I know some people love having the author record it themselves. Some people, maybe not, but regardless, we'll see. Now, uh, in terms of like personal life and uh, homesteading, everything is, nothing crazy has happened. I guess our cat had more kittens. <laughs> so we were able to finally get, give away the other kittens about just in time because she had seven more kittens. So now we have a lot more kittens and it's, it's about waiting until the moment we can start passing those off. We'll put a free kitten sign in front of our house and see if we can get rid of those quickly. But, uh, and then, uh, it's one of those situations where we, we want to, to fix or spay the, the female, but it's hard because out in the country, you know, cats disappear or there's, we live in a busy road and it's very unfortunate. We don't want the cats to, to die in that way, but it just kind of happens. So we feel like we need, to let cats be born because all the people out here in the country kind of need the cats and you know they just have outdoor cats to take care of the mice population so it's kind of useful to be having so many kittens and it's not overly too much trouble especially if you can get rid of them quickly because we don't have to feed them they mostly nurse um they get the nourishment from their mom so anyway it's, it's interesting we have a lot more cats and our meat chickens are coming in a couple days we are all prepared for them we spent quite a bit of time on saturday cleaning out our barn um, and making sure there's space for them. We are getting, I believe, 60 baby chicks, um, and hopefully all of them will survive. Uh, I would hope so. We're getting them in the mail, which is such an interesting experience. Uh, it's funny because they call you early and say, hey, we've got a chick shipment for you, and you can go before hours, but it's just funny when you open the door, you can hear the chickens. The chicks are so loud, the chirping, and I'm wondering if the mail... Uh, you know, the post office people are like, I don't like listening to this until these people come. And we're not the only ones that buy chickens through the mail. We've, we've seen a couple other boxes there multiple times. But anyway, you just get a box and it's full of little chicks and you just take them home and give them some water. And then, of course, you can feed them after a couple hours. But it's an interesting experience picking up live chicks from the post office. So that should be good. And then eight weeks from now, they will go in our freezer, which is very fast. Um, and I remember it feeling fast last year. It was very, very busy, though, taking care of all the different sets of chickens. But such is life. The work is worth it, we believe, in the end. So I believe that's it for Homestead News. Um, we'll go ahead and shift over to the interview portion of the podcast. Mm -hmm. 
Robert Zangieri is the co-author of multiple epic fantasy books that have been independently published over the past couple of years. Hey, Robert, how are you? I'm great, Dan. How are you doing? Doing very well. It's the, it's the beginning of another week, so I just see all of the things that I need to do in life. I'm just like, all right, I'm going to try not to be overwhelmed by that, but that's okay. <laughs> it's, it's every week. That's how it is. So. Yep. I'm excited to to have a conversation with you because for a number of reasons, right? You you are a very established author. Um, you have a lot of experience, and admittedly, I haven't delved into Kickstarter very much. We'll get into that in just a minute, though. Um, first of all, let us know how long have you been writing and publishing? Uh, it's been um, a little over eleven years now. It was my dad and I started working together in um, 2011 of June. Uh, but actually, well, technically, my first foray into publishing was a nonfiction book, which is a martial arts book that I was using to promote my martial arts business that I had at the time. So I uh, I got that done. And, and I think it was like between writing, editing and publishing it like two and a half months. And, you know, it's nonfiction. So it goes a lot faster than fiction. And my dad, who's been working on our fantasy series since 1991, approached me and said, hey, do you want to come work with me and, uh, and help me write this stuff? I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds like fun. And, you know, after a couple months, I was like, okay, this is really what I want to do for a living. Uh, at the time, I was going to school for biomedical engineering. And so my, my career path was like, okay, I'm going to be, go be an engineer like my dad. And then after that. I was like, well, you know, I actually really like this. This is fun. So uh, I'm going to try to make this work. And so now, 11 years later, still trying to make it work. But, you know, it's it's a lot smoother than it was when we first started. So, yeah, about a little over a decade. Uh, it's a, definitely a journey. And I know many of us, especially a lot of the listeners, are still at the beginning phases. I'm at the very beginning phases of that journey. So uh, at what point did you go full time with it? Was it from the beginning since you were kind of still studying or was there ever a time where you had to work and, and work on author stuff? So um, for the first couple of years, I was doing maybe a, it was equivalent to a part time job, maybe sure. 20 hours a week for about the first year or so. Um, and then, and even, well, in the second year, we really didn't do too much writing because we were so busy querying. I guess that was the only book stuff that I was doing. We were sending out query letters and trying to get published. And then it wasn't until 2013 that my dad and I decided, yeah, screw it, let's just self-publish it. Because uh, all the publishers were telling us, oh, your book is too big uh, and you need to cut it in half. At the time, we... Uh, the manuscript, which we were calling the Dark Necromancer, which coincidentally is the same name of the our up, next upcoming release, uh, uh, that was two hundred and fifty-seven thousand words, wow. um, and so we're like, now we're going to publish it. So, um, so we decided we're going to do that. We published, um, and it did all right, and we were um, part way through writing what was going to be the next book and we finished like one storyline and that took about a year and we were part way through the the set the technically the fourth storyline and in that we were trying to continue contain into one one novel so we were kind of doing like two arcs per book and um 
And then my dad and I were thinking, well, maybe we should just split them up. So then, <laughs> and follow the publisher's advice. So that's what we did. And that's, uh, if people look on our website and see the tales of the amulet origins uh, in our called the Curiosities collection, uh, that's those books. And our first book that we ever published is the ninth anniversary edition of the Dark Necromancer. Uh, I think it's the Dark Necromancer 2013. Um, and then uh, again, we decided to, you know, recash everything. And that's when we released a prince's errand so this is like our third go around of publishing <laughs> so <laughs> we've learned things each time wow yeah definitely i can imagine you've learned quite a bit from all the different releases and various things i i don't write books that big but my books are bigger which is another reason you know the publishers don't love big books uh I, the book that i just finished and i'm publishing next month is one hundred ninety thousand. so uh, i think you know they prefer something between like 90 and 120 and i'm like oh, yeah. i don't write short books like that so yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so i've also self-published but there are other reasons um so just a side question i'm, I'm impressed that looks like you have like a pretty long string of future books already put into um Amazon for for pre-orders, which I think is great. So are you and your father plotters? Like, do you already have like the entire arc and everything plotted out and you just have to fill it in? Or are you discovery writers? Yeah, we uh we definitely we plot quite a bit. Um, and especially since my dad's been working on this for you know 30 plus years, it's been he knows what's how it's going to end, and so we we've we've got a roadmap of what we're doing. And I, I guess when I write, I'm somewhat of a discovery writer in that I let the characters dictate what mm. they're doing. Uh, but for the most part, they stay pretty much in line. Um, there's been when we wrote a Prince's Errand, there were a few deviations at that. Co- caused more uh ripples throughout the story and Mm. so through Mm. our because our the the version of the dark necromancer that we're going to be releasing later this year uh is similar to the other versions but different because of certain actions that characters have made in in a prince's errand so uh, but we we tend to try to plot that out and every i'm more of a fluid plotter um in that i will tweak the outline of the book as i'm writing it so i write in different parts or sections and all when i start off a book i normally will have a rough idea of how the other parts are going to go and a rough idea of the chapters Mm -hmm. but then i sit down and i'll hammer out uh how you know each chapter for that part and then by the time I get done writing that actually writing the prose, then I go and look at the, go back to the outline for the next section and be like, okay, what do I need to fix in this outline or change or expand? And then I kind of replot again. Um, and my dad and I will do that together. We'll, you know, be on the phone or uh, sometimes in person, but mostly over the phone um, where we're kind of discussing different plot points and how we want to, resolve it and what you know wrenches do we want to throw in the mix to you know frustrate our characters and you know those kind of kind of things so it's uh, yeah we've uh we 
like the majority of the stuff that's up there for pre-order right now, they're short stories. Okay, um, sure. And so those are actually the bonuses that we're uh, giving to all of our Kickstarter backers because uh, we have stretch goals for uh, different rewards for stretch goals. And it was like every $5,000 that we raised, we were going to add on another short story, which retails at a dollar. Uh, but then backers would be getting it for free, essentially. So um, came out to where I think everybody was getting 12 stories from us. Wow. So even if you, I guess, nine stories, if you back that just a dollar, um, because that that was just the novella and then the short stories. Um, but yeah, so the only big release we have on pre-order is the Dark Necromancer, and then all those are short stories. Okay, oh, that's cool. That that makes absolute sense. So um, that's a perfect segue in, in to to jump into Kickstarter because I know that there's a lot of people that have heard of Kickstarter, maybe authors have seen Kickstarter, but they've not realized, hey, this is something that could support me and my author goals and endeavors so um i guess where does it come come to play for authors how do authors leverage kickstarter to help them with their author endeavors their careers i think the best way at least the way that we've approached it and some of the other more veteran author authors have approached it is to raise funds to offset or completely pay for production costs mm-hmm. um, so uh, I'll give you an example with our stuff. Um, each of our big novels take about $30,000 to produce. That's mm-hmm. including the cover, the editing, and the audiobook. The audiobook's like the biggest. Right. Um, and, um, you know, this is, we've done four Kickstarters now. The first one we launched in 2018. And, uh, and the, our goal was, well, we just want to raise at least half of what it's going to cost to make this, which we ended up doing um, and we're really happy with. So I think, I think one authors can use Kickstarter to, you know, make a better product than what they might not be able to uh, just by themselves, Uh, you know, raising more capital for either better editing or better cover or even putting towards the audiobook production because audiobooks are just so expensive to get made. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, for anyone decent, you're looking at, you know, at least $300 a finished hour. Yep. And that's just for the, just the recording, not even the, uh, uh, the engineering or paying the pension and health uh, fees that come along with narration. Uh, which most good narrators will have be associated with like SAG-AFTRA and, and you'll have to pay, I think it's like 13.5% um, to the union for their pension and health plans. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it definitely is it's a way, f- I, I, I view it as a way for authors to make better products. And also it's a great way to reach new readers. And, um, you know, at least I guess, in the writers groups and the writer circles that I've been involved with, there's you always talk about the super fan mm. and Kickstarter is a great way to cultivate super fans because those are the people that want to get in first. They want to get your stuff, um, whether if it's collectibles or whatever, and they want it before anybody else. 
And uh, typically these people are wanting signed and sometimes even numbered uh, editions of your books. And so this is a great way to, you know, kind of find those people. Um, only about, I'll, I'll kind of give you some numbers, but only like 10% of, you know, our mailing list um, has ever backed one of our Kickstarters. So it's, it kind of coincides with the, uh, with that 10% of having, you know, uh, your super fans. And that's really your, your core following. And these are the guys, you know, though, a lot of my early reviews for books come from Kickstarter backers. So they'll go post it either on Amazon or Goodreads and, and, and I'll, you know, I don't recognize the usernames all the time, but uh, I see, Oh, I backed this on Kickstarter and, Mm -hmm. you know, and so it also is a great way to get a copy of the book in other people's hands uh, before the release. We try to have between three and six months uh, that we get deliver the Kickstarter rewards to backers before we actually release in retail. So it's kind of more like a, like a soft launch, I guess. Um, but there's a lot of uh, great ways that you can, you know, find new readers through Kickstarter. If you're, if you're targeting them correctly, like with Facebook ads and, and that's one of the bigger areas that we've used to, to try to find new readers. Cause y- yeah, you can throw a Kickstarter up, but it might not be advertised to all the people who use Kickstarter. So if you're doing your own efforts to, to laser target those people, having just having a campaign there, you're, you're going to have a greater chance of them actually noticing your stuff and becoming a fan uh, by, you know, having them back a project of yours. So, yeah, that makes, yeah, it's great. That, that's really cool. I mean, the idea, the idea of being able to have the money for production costs is it's very appealing. Yes. I, you know, as I'm yeah. an independent author myself, I've definitely spent, quite a bit of money producing the books that I have. And they're definitely not the size that the yours are. And I haven't done audiobooks yet, partially because of the cost. So I think that's a really great opportunity for us. I think some authors might just be scared of Kickstarter because you're really putting yourself and your work out there. Um, and, you know, you're, you're kind of putting trust that you're going to produce a product that people want right and they're also Mm -hmm. trusting you that you're going to give them a product that that they want Uh, but i don't think it has to be that scary i have invested in many book related kickstarters primarily for authors obviously um not really for anything else but that's how i've used it on the donation end or the backing end i suppose is the best term for it Uh, but you know as an author the idea of setting it up feels really overwhelming and, and whatnot. So I just kind of want to talk a little bit about from your perspective, and this might be somewhat of a tricky thing to answer, but the pros and cons, if there are any of using a Kickstarter, because I've heard various things, but I'd love to hear from someone who's actually used Kickstarter for their business uh, about, you know, what, what do you see as the pros and cons? Um, okay. So the I'll give you, I'll start out with some of the cons. Um, I think that's great. You're, you're going to, I think one of the things that makes it stressful and makes it intimidating is you got that time limit Mm -hmm. and that time limit. um, It is a pro and it's a con, but it, it does create 
a lot of work and it can be very distracting. So for instance, if you're trying to get a lot of creative work done while you're running a Kickstarter campaign, like say writing another book or something, you'll, you'll probably suffer because uh, you'll be spending so much time promoting the Kickstarter. Uh, there is a lot of effort, uh, especially for first time creators to, to get out there. Um, I know uh, some people will do podcast tours mm. and just kind of like a virtual book tour type of thing during the Kickstarter campaign. Um, uh, I know some people will do live streams like once a week. So mm. like you'll get four live streams, which we, we did that. And, and that took a little extra time. We were, well, we ended up doing, this was our third campaign that we did it on. And we were reading um, like the, the first, the, first four chapters of the book hmm. um and so there's then and then also that you're going to be uh contacted a lot by backers and so you're you're answering messages on kickstarter and replying to comments on your kickstarter campaign and, and replying to comments on updates and writing updates and so it the the workload is a lot and so if you're not prepared to be like, okay, I'm just going to dedicate my time to do this, you're going to get overwhelmed. And uh, and the campaign won't go as smoothly as you'd like it. And I've noticed others that, you know, they kind of lose the, the their momentum of getting stuff done. And, and you can kind of see where the, the, the campaign just like stops or sometimes dips. Um and uh, so I, I would say another con of it is um, it's still tied to that time limit is if, if people come are coming in and seeing, oh, it's over. I still want these rewards, though. So you got to come up with another means in order to allow people to do that and to have some kind of a late backer uh, pledge uh, going on. And, and Things like Pledgebox and Backerkit allow for that, but um, they also will, will take their cut of uh, everything. Which I, I can get back into. I can get into the the specifics of the fees and everything, but it's just one more thing that you're going to have to pay out to, which then lowers your overall um, income. Unless you can do it yourself, which we which we we've done. Um, I just got barely tra- done transitioning our website over to this uh, new. Uh, new platform and uh, but before i did that we had um a, sp- a page that was a specific okay if you want the ebook click here and then you would go through our payment processor and we got a few backers that way i think we raised another i don't know five six hundred dollars um just sending people directly to our website to go and back the the campaign there so nothing huge nothing major but still uh, I, if it were, if I were looking at backer kit or pledge box or something else, I would look at that and think, eh, I don't know if that's worth putting in doing if I'm only going to be getting, you know, a couple hundred dollars out of it. Um, and, uh, now, okay. So I guess now I'm done talking about my complaints. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, some of the pros, I think are one, you can reach new readers. 
um, you get a higher uh, return off of um, off your books. And the way that we've structured <clears throat> everything uh, with our campaigns is that at least 55 to 60 percent of the overall fund is going towards our I don't really want to say profit it's not really profit it's going towards the production cost where the other 40 to 45 percent is going towards shipping and printing and all the fulfillment and the fees um, so that I love that because it creates a higher margin for authors and you can set your own price. You can, you know, you can really leverage that to make as much as if you were selling in person somewhere. Um, but you know, you're doing it on Kickstarter and using the internet. And so you're leveraging that reach that you can, you know, that global reach there and to find, you know, fans that you wouldn't otherwise be able to find if you were, um, you know, doing it anywhere else. Uh, the other great thing is um, for people that are, uh, might not be able to use certain markets on Amazon, you can, you know, reach them directly, you know, ship them a book directly or email them a digital copy of the book. Um, another, another thing I really like about it is uh, Kickstarter has some amazing tracking tools. Like, it's just okay. mind blowing. Like you, you can look and see how many backers came from a certain referrer. And so like I set up at least 20 different referred links. Mm -hmm. And if I know I'm going to do a swap with an author that is a big name author or an influencer, I will give them a specific link so that they can track. So I can track how many they drive. So like, for instance, I do this every time with Michael Kramer and Kate Redding, and I give them a specific link for them to share so I can see, okay, so how many of their specific fans are coming and backing the campaign? And then I do the same thing for my newsletter and for my Kickstarter exclusive newsletter. And then I have a specific link for my Facebook profile. And then I've got another specific link for my the Legends of Calda Facebook page. Um and I think I, I set one up for YouTube as well, because I post our, our campaign videos up on YouTube, but we haven't really seen too much traffic from that. Um, but you can see essentially where everybody came from, and uh, it'll kind of show you a breakdown of the different dollar amounts of, okay, you raised this much from your Facebook ad, and oh, you raised this much from your newsletter swap with so-and-so. Um and so it's, it's a great, great me way to measure things and be able to, you know, really see where, where progress is coming. And you can, um, you get a bunch of additional data on the back end that just, you don't get anywhere else in any retail platform. So it's definitely uh, very helpful uh, as far as the, that business side goes. And, uh, the other thing I like is that you can set this up way in advance mm, and mm -hmm. um, you don't, you're not tied down to a specific date. You launch when you push the button. And so like right now I'm kind of running an experiment uh, for what is going to be book three 
Elven Secrets uh, in our series. And I've got already got a Kickstarter pre-launch page, page set up for that. So oh. I'm going to see what it's going to do over the next year, year and a half, and see how many people we can get following the campaign. Because it will also show you how many people following it ended up backing it. And so that's another kind of metric metric that you can use to determine, okay, where, how many, how many super fans do I have? And, and uh, so you can see, okay, those guys that, that converted over at launch, those guys, are the people that, you know, are really focused in on my stuff. Um, I think another great thing with Kickstarter is it allows readers to kind of get a behind the scenes look of what you're doing Mm -hmm. and it helps them feel more invested, I guess, into the story. Uh, And then that, Oh, Hey, I, you know, I was a part of this. And um, so like for ours, everybody that backs either at a dollar or whatever you're mentioned in our, in our book. So your name will show up in our book and then you'll also come in the audiobook. Uh, and so I know a lot of people are like, I just backed this because I wanted to hear Michael Kramer read my name, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's like, well, that, you know, that's cool. You know, I like that. I, I like hearing Michael Kramer read my name. Um, and so I, I get that. And so you know, there's, I guess there's a way I feel like I can connect more with my readers uh, through Kickstarter and it, it's nice, especially now, like I, I, I was sitting there on, on the first day we launched our most recent, recent one and I was watching the backers come in and I was like, oh, I know that person. They backed, you know, all the other campaigns and oh, yay, they backed this one too. And, you know, so, you know, I'm here on, on the, on the back end here, all excited, seeing uh, familiar names of people that I've never known and it makes me happy. So I don't know if anybody else does that, but I certainly do. And I, I think it's, it's fun. Well, and I think that's, <clears throat> that's about to be really fulfilling from both the backer standpoint and from your standpoint as well. Um, and to have that confidence, those super readers, what a great way to, to find those people reaching new readers is one of the main challenges um, of, of independently publishing your books, right? Yeah. <laughs> because it's just hope so hard to find readers. You mean an excellent author, um, have great prose, great plot, but if people don't find you, then you know there's there's no way to actually get that book to people and find readers. So it's it's really yeah. tricky. But I can see how Kickstarter would definitely help with that. I know that there's probably a lot of authors who, you know, hearing this think, okay, this is a really great option for someone like me who doesn't have the budget for producing a book in any of the formats. But admittedly, I think a lot of people listening might, might hear this and think, I don't know where to start. So where, where can authors start to, cause it sounds like it's a relatively complex system. Um, a lot of options, a lot of analytics, a lot of possibilities, but where can they start if they want to get a Kickstarter set up? So I, my biggest suggestion that I always ask or give to people is to first just make a campaign or I mean, make a, make a a profile on Kickstarter and just look and surf the platforms, see what other people that are in your genre, see what kind of Kickstarters they're doing. Okay. And, 
then just kind of like, okay, just taking note of, well, how did they, how many reward tiers did they have? And mm. how is their video? What kind of video did they put up? Um, what does their campaign's project image look like? And so a lot of it is just like, I think the best thing to do is just survey the landscape and just take it in and really see, okay, here's, here's all this stuff. And then I would suggest contacting one of those authors uh, that is, has been successful, especially those, those that have had proven track records, because you can click on a creator and you can see what they've created and you'll show failed projects and successful projects too. Um, and just reach out. So I did that when I first started. Cause I was like, I, I knew a Kickstarter. Um, I hadn't really backed any projects before, but I understood, uh, the purpose behind crowdfunding. And there were a few, few, uh, games that I had followed on that were on Kickstarter, but I, I ended up didn't back them, uh, just kind of, you know, watching. Um, but what I did was I reached out to Michael J. Sullivan and asked him a whole bunch of questions. And he was wonderful to reply to every single one of them. Um, and so that's what I would suggest uh, it, is finding someone to, you know, kind of answer some of the questions. Um, but really it's kind of observing what the format of the Kickstarters look like, you know, most of us like that are writing Epic fantasy, we have, uh, or at least the book Kickstarters. Let me, I'll, I'll back that back up. So most of people that are writing books and using Kickstarter, we are following in kind of a specific format. And that's one that Michael uh, has kind of set as a trend. And so if you look at Michael J. Sullivan's campaigns, and then you start looking at most other successful Kickstarter campaigns. And we're all using about the same formulaic method. Um, so yeah, if you, if you write stuff, go, go look at Michael's stuff and just copy what he does. Um, <laughs> and he's even, he's even said that we were on a call uh, with him and he was presenting um, something about Kickstarter, I think uh, with David Farland's apex writers group uh, before Dave passed. It was about a year and a half ago, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah. And, uh, and Mike, that was one thing Michael said uh, and his wife, Robin was, you know, just, just copy what we're doing. Cause obviously it works. <laughs> um, and I believe they also, their son is, is doing a, a service where um, he will help run campaigns and, and things like that. And they've, they've done that for a few authors. Um, uh, I think they were running AC cobbles, most recent one. Um, I know they were doing Derek Allen Sitaway's project and um, Oh gosh, I can't remember. I think, I think it was, the Wraith Mark Creatives project with uh, Mark of Kings. Okay. Um, but um, so there, you know, there's a service out there that if you have no idea and you're willing to kind of split the, the proceeds of the Kickstarter with them, they can, you know, help you along with that and help with the managing. The managing really is a, it's a lot of extra work. 
but once you figure it out, it, it's a little easier. Um, but it, still, it's our fourth campaign, and we're still, you know, putting in a decent chunk of work. You know, getting things getting things done on the back end. Um, and then I would say the next thing, the next step after that is go back some campaigns. Um, typically, when when I first started, uh, some of the help articles on Kickstarter were saying, we're advising creators, you want to back at least 10 projects before you create one. Mm. And what that does is it shows backers that you're not there just asking for money. You're a part of the community. Uh, It's saying, hey, I'm one of you. And that type of inclusivity seems to resonate well with backers especially if if they're things because i think you can see which projects someone backed Mm -hmm. uh if their profile is public so if you backed other book things or other you know genre related things like for instance i've backed several uh tabletop rpgs for you know different fantasy type games Mm -hmm. and you can see that on our profile um, and so it just kind of shows, you know, and also if you back enough, uh, you get the super backer, uh, badge oh, that Kickstarter okay. gives you. So that's like, if you keep, you know, I think that's close to 70 projects that you need to back. And we did that in about four years and it was, it was right before we launched and we got an email from Kickstarter that says, Hey, we're going to give you a super backer badge that will be displayed on your profile okay cool (laughs) great (laughs) that's great um so yeah that would be and then after you do that then then start tinkering around with building a campaign and i would suggest spend a couple months playing around with the campaign Mm. um just because that will allow you to to kind of get a feel for the interface. And there's like five different tabs. And the first ones that's basic, that's really simple. But the ones that you really need to kind of familiarize yourself with are like the story tab and the rewards tab. And though that's really what backers are going to be seeing. And so if uh, one thing, uh, if you can use pictures to describe things, try to do that because there is a character limit for campaigns. And I don't know what the word count is or the limit, but I hit them a couple times trying mm-hmm. to build our most recent campaign. So I was like, okay, I got to put all of our stretch goals into a graphic <laughs> and all of our add-ons into a graphic. <laughs> so Reduce your words. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Uh, but t- typically, though, well, okay, uh, from what my observations, I think that the more content that you have on your campaign uh, is better. Uh, my wife will disagree with me and say, no, <laughs> I just want to know what the product is and the reward tiers. And that's it. And so, uh, but I really think the having more information is better than not because people will end up scrolling through and and reading. Like we have a bio section. We've got like an introduction about of our team. Uh, We've got, you know, also links to 
um, go and read a sample. So um, as you're preparing your Kickstarter, I would definitely have a sample of whatever your, excuse me, um, whatever you're trying to kickstart, whether it be a leather bound edition or a brand new uh, novel that you're going to release, have at least 10% of that, whatever that is available for people to read and then have a link going back into the, back to the Kickstarter. Um, So we do that with each one. And um, there's a decent amount of people that will have, that have read through it. Um, Some people they're like, I don't care. I just, I'm just going to back this, but um, you know, I don't know number wise. That's one of the things I can't, I haven't really tracked download wise for how many people have done it. Cause I usually just put it on Dropbox and mm. just have people download directly. Um, but you know, the, the more ways that you can get people involved on your campaigns, the better. And by reading a book, you know, if they're invested in it and they're like, Oh, okay. I, I like the first 10% of this. I want to know how this book ends. Then they're more likely to back it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that would be, those are kind of the broad, I don't know how many steps that was, but anyway. <laughs> it's a great place <laughs> to start. <laughs> we are looking for a specific list. I think it, it gets people started, helps them know, you know, there's like things in there that I wouldn't have been able to guess. You know, a lot of people who aren't familiar with Kickstarter would not be able to guess on, you know, ways to get started. So I think that's great. Um, just to, to wrap things up, I always love to ask the author to share where can people and readers find more information about you and your books if they want to grab hold of them. Uh, so you can find me on Facebook at Robert Zangieri, um, or you can go to our website, which is uh, www.legendsofkalda, which is K-A-L-D-A.com. Um, and then you can buy our books direct on our website. Uh, we're also available on uh, Amazon. Um, currently, our eBooks are enrolled in Kindle Unlimited, but we will be going back wide uh, shortly. So they will be available at Barnes and Noble and uh, other places in digital format in the next few months. So nice. Well, that's exciting. Oh, thank you so much for your time. I think, you know, people listening, hopefully are feel inspired about potentially using Kickstarter for their own endeavors. I know I definitely want to take a look at it, uh, kind of loosely looked at it in the past, but definitely think that I could benefit from it. And I would love to back. I've, I've backed people before. So I've been backing people for a while. I just never actually thought about creating my own campaign. So, but yeah. anyway, thank you so much. Hopefully we can have another chat in the future, maybe near one of your, uh, I guess you're running a Kickstarter campaign now, but <laughs> perhaps one of your next ones. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to come back on the show and, All right. I hope you found that interesting and helpful. Uh, I think it's great to have a resource such as Kickstarter uh, for those authors who who maybe don't have the funds for the projects that they want to work on. It's really great. And (laughs) we didn't talk a lot about the the successful Brandon Sanderson Kickstarter, but there's, there's been some amazing successes, big and small for a lot of different authors. So look at Kickstarter, give it a try. Um, Try backing campaigns. I know I have, and I've really been happy with the result of backing 
other people's Kickstarters. So um, if you have any questions for me or for Robert, you can contact me at authordankenner.com or of course submit the form through my website. I believe it's on the uh, the contact or the about section on me. And yeah, hoping to get some great feedback from the ARC readers on Ascended. And yeah, I'll look forward to talking to you next week. <laughs>